You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Hello and welcome to Fanhole's Podcast, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Tonight, we will be looking at two very special versions of a famous character. First up, we have the original Loki from Filmation's She-Ra. Please, take a listen. This is Lucky. Did you see me on the Fan Holes podcast today? There I am. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, that was excellent. And now we have for your listening pleasure the new 52 version of Lucky from She-Ra. Fragola! You guys see me on the Fan Holes podcast? You bastages! You can't miss me! I'm 50 feet tall! I got 30 inch guns! I'm Lucky! Remember me, motherfucker! There I am, bitch! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Podcast. So we are here tonight because we are in the mood to talk some He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. That's pretty much our agenda for tonight. We're doing an all He-Man type podcast. So if that's something that you're into, please stick around. If not, we hope you're entertained by our dulcet tones regardless. Um, I don't know if we have a big type of plan or structure for this kind of all He-Man show. I imagine we're going to talk about a lot of the different cartoon series and maybe the movie might come up here and there. And then also I know, you know, we'd like to talk a bit about some of the comic book incarnations that He-Man's had over the years. And, uh, you know, anything else that kind of comes up and strikes our fancy, whether it be the, you know, Mattel action figure line or what have you. So, this is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight are, why don't you give a shout out, guys? Hi, it's Mike, and I have fabulous secret powers. This is Justin, and I have no fabulous secret powers. <laughs> I'm Adam of Grayskull. you got to get, like, interrupted by an explosion. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous. So yeah, I don't I don't know where to start with this. Like there, it seems like there's so much stuff to talk about. I don't know that I really really prepped for this. All I can say about like He-Man 
and the Masters of the Universe, like, as it relates to me now is, I did give give it a try to watch some of the DVD sets that I bought, and I can say, you know, positively, like, the BCI DVD sets are, are wonderful DVD sets if you're a fan of, of Filmation or He-Man or anything like that. Like, those old BCI DVD sets, they all have, like, wonderful episode synopses and a lot of them have commentaries and and all kinds of cool stuff from Andy Mangles so i mean if you enjoy that stuff they're they're really in-depth type i mean especially for like the money that you paid for them at the time like i remember going into Best Buy and picking up like the season sets or whatever they were for like you know 25 bucks or something but you know you're like wow i get like the you know I don't know what, you know, whatever the filmation standard thing was, you know, it was like there were like something like 30-something episodes of, of content and like almost, you know, all of them had like commentary or some kind of special feature or what have you. Um, but as far as me trying to rewatch them now before we did the podcast, I, I did indeed try to rewatch He-Man cartoons. I tried to rewatch the filmation ones. I tried to rewatch the um, new adventures of He-Man. And I tried to rewatch. Uh, I ended up getting this on Mill Creek, so I didn't get the cool BCI DVDs. So I got the the little black paper slips, you know, from the cheap set <laughs> for the Mill Creek one. But I did, I did get the the. I guess what do they call it? Like the the two K two series or, yeah. or whatever it is, like that uh, series that aired on Cartoon Network. So I, I did try to rewatch a lot of those. Um, I fell asleep. Every time, like, because I'm just not, I think what it is, is I really liked He-Man when I was a kid, and I bought, like, all the different Mattel action figures and stuff like that, like, especially of the original series, Um, but I think it it, it always seems to be, like, a product of its time or something like that, like, I really enjoyed watching Filmation when I was a kid, like, the most positive memories I have of, of the Filmation cartoon are probably going to see the She-Ra He-Man movie in the theater with my mom. Um, And then I remember her promising to buy me that on VHS tape after we saw it. But the funny part was that was back when, like, VHS tapes were, like, $100 or something ridiculous, you know, when they (laughs) came out or whatever. So I think what had happened was, you know, she went to the, the store and it was like one of those things where the guy's like, well, yeah, this is, you know, standard retail for a movie is ninety nine ninety five, And my mom was kind of like, wow, you know, and, and she said, is there anything else, you know? And, and then they had the episodes. So it was like one 22 minute She-Ra episode was like twenty nine ninety nine. So the compromise was I got that that one VHS episode of She-Ra instead of the movie, which, of course, was not the same thing, which was, you know, like, disappointing, but she, you know, she tried. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, she didn't have a hundred bucks to blow on a He-Man She-Ra movie or whatever, but I remember really enjoying that movie um, when I went and saw it in the theater. Is there anything, like, you guys want to share about, like, how you first started watching He-Man, or is that, I don't don't know, like, because I feel like I was a kid when it came on, but I don't know if like the original filmation He-Man was was way out of your time range. Like, how how do you guys fall into it? See, I I think I mentioned this in a previous show, but like I I just kind of barely remember watching it. Like I can remember, like I wasn't even in the school yet, but I can remember waiting on my cousin to get off the school bus because just as soon as he did He-Man come on, 
and we would set up all of our toys and, you know, try and, like, replicate what was going on on the TV screen. Or I remember having this giant, huge He-Man coloring book and just coloring it and watching the episodes. Um, my memories of new adventures are a lot clearer, but, like, that was – I would have probably been, like, second grade when new adventures first started. I remember being, you know, kind of disappointed with the toys and everything, but uh, yeah, I don't – I don't have a whole lot of clear memories of like watching specific episodes or anything. I remember the toys more than anything because I had tons of the toys, man. The, like the castles and all the figures and vehicles and everything. Yeah, I think I think my toy kind of buying stopped with the original line. So I, I don't even know too much about the New Adventures toy line at all. Um, I did have a lot of the different castles from the old line, like Grayskull and. Snake Mountain had, like, the little... I remember for a birthday, I got Snake Mountain. And it's kind of funny, because it's almost like Snake Mountain was, like, its own karaoke machine. Because it's like, <laughs> you had the little snake head, but it was connected to, like, some kind of, you know, amplifier or whatever. And I guess you're supposed to be, like, the spooky voice of Snake Mountain or something. Because when you, when you talked into the snake's head, it made your your voice kind of distorted where you're like, you know, I don't don't know how exactly it would sound, but you were, you were, you were amplified. And, and I remember getting snake mountain for, for a birthday. And, you know, it was kind of like the karaoke machine at the, at the party because everybody was like playing around with the, you know, the, the vocalizer on the the snake head or what have you, I think as, as they went further on, like some of them got really expensive where I guess, I, I don't know if this is comparable. I, it must be. Like, I think the Fortress Maximus of the He-Man line was the Eternia playset. Yeah. Um, I did not ever own the Eternia playset. I know one of my cousins did, and I remember being surprised at how, I mean, at least, I don't know, it, it, when when I saw this, I was 10 years old. So maybe if I saw it today, I'd be like, oh, you were tripping, dude. It wasn't that big. <laughs> but, like... But, like, when I went down there, like, my 10-year-old self walked down to the basement to, to see Eternia, you know, the, the place at Eternia, and I just thought it was, like, the hugest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just this ginormous kind of playset or whatever. But I guess that's kind of from my, my child memory, so they might be a little skewed. I don't know exactly what the actual, you know, scale of it was. Um, I I knew I had the Fright Zone, and I remember I had a lot of fun... Uh, even though, like, people were like, don't destroy your figures, but I had a lot of fun with the Hordak slime pit and, like, the way that, you know, you could stick the guy in the little claw and then the, uh, it was kind of like a dinosaur, Tyrannosaurus head would, like, puke out, you know, the slime all over him. I I wasn't really a He-Man fan as a kid. Like, I don't know, like, I, I, I think I remember watching some of it, but, like, I never really, like, caught, it never like appealed to me really and um I think like the you know, as my avatar might suggest the only toy I ever had was Cyclone and I think I I got him cuz I traded like something to a friend and I got him and I was like oh yeah he looks kind of cool and I don't even know if I knew he was like a He-Man figure then I just knew if you squeezed his legs together his like top spun around or yeah, whatever yeah, the gimmick was, was. And he had like the yeah the radar on his chest, which I thought was cool. But I, I always thought it was neat that most of the figures had some kind of weird gimmick. You know, like Manny Face's head could twist around, and he had you know Manny Face's 
Or, you know, some guys would have, like, a little hologram on their chest or, you know, He-Man and Skeletor had battle armor that you could damage. Like, I always thought that was, like, really cool as a kid because, you know, when you're playing with your toys, you imagine that they, like, do, you know, damage to their costumes or whatever. But this is one where you could actually, like, kind of act it out. And you're like, well, this is cool. This is a revolutionary for toy playing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember, like, my friend having that, like, battle-damaged He-Man. Like, and I remember thinking that was really cool with, like, the flipping, like, thing. And I remember, like, a bunch of people got really mad when they made, like, a new version of that. And, like, instead of the, like, chest plate flipping around, you had to actually, like, manually take out the chest plate and, like, put in the battle damage one. And I was like, doesn't that just, like, totally destroy the point of that gimmick? Like, yeah. but... Now you can imagine all the power in the universe. The Masters of the Universe collection. 23 pieces, each sold separately. There's He-Man and these heroic action figures. Skeletor and the Warriors of Evil. And four fighting creatures. Castle Grayskull, Point Dread and the Talon Fighter. You put them together. And battle machines like the Attack Track. Batteries not included. What would you do with all the power in the universe? I, I'm going to assume that, that by default that, that Cyclone is going to be Mike's favorite He-Man toy. And, and this will be one podcast where he doesn't have a laundry list of honorable mentions for, <laughs> like, favorite action figure. But th- this hopefully will be Justin's moment to shine, as I'm going to ask him, like, what, since you did have a lot of the He-Man toys, like, do you want to talk about, like, what some of your favorites were? Like, what some of the standout, you know, action figures were? I know you were talking about some of the action features before. The Battle Damage, He-Man and Skeletor, I always loved those. Uh, Manny Faces, I thought was really awesome. Uh, Fisto, just because he had, like, that giant fist you could swing around. I always liked Hordak better than Skeletor, regardless. Like, so, I always liked the Hordak figure. I don't, I think I just had the regular Hordak, not any of the, like, Hurricane Oh, Hordak like the special type Hordaks yeah. or what have you. Yeah, I, I, I was pretty big on the Horde for whatever reason. I think mainly because I like that He-Man She-Ra movie. And so I, you know, I went out of my way to get all of the, the evil Horde figures. You know, Modulok and Mantena and Grizzlor and Leech. Yeah. I don't. I know you had some of the Shiro stuff, but I don't think I had any of that stuff as a kid. Or even yeah, I, I mean, that, that kind of extended over to that. Like, I had the Crystal Castle, and I had I, I had most of the, who I considered the main characters, you know? Like, if if, if I am infected with, like, main character-itis, you know? Like, I, I, I got, you know, Shira and what, I guess, how she passed for Adora back in the toy line or whatever. You're just supposed to, like, I don't know put her headdress on, like, sideways or something, and it's like, oh, I'm Adora now, you know. <laughs> um, but then uh, there was, like, a bow, and he didn't have a mustache. Um, I got a cowl and a glimmer, and then I think I had Catra, and that was probably it. And then and there was, like, Crystal Castle, and I was trying to find Swiftwind, but it ended up being, like, this kind of crystal, like, pink crystal version of Swiftwind. So that's... You know, that's the best I could do at the time, because I think the real Swiftwind was kind of out of print by that point, or discontinued or something. Mm. But, um, I, you know, I I tried to get most of the main people. I always remember, like, you know, like my mom telling me stuff about, you know, be careful with Panthor, you know, because he has, like, Panthor had, like, the real 
that kind of furry kind of stuff. Furry thing, yeah. or like, or like, don't put Grizzlor in the slime pit, you know, like, <laughs> you know, because he had like real hair and stuff, you know. It was like there was always like, you know, don't put Grizzlor in the slime pit, you're gonna regret it. So like, I was like, oh okay, I won't put Grizzlor in the slime pit. It's like don't put Moss Man in the slime pit, you know, because he had like a little kind of moss yeah. stuff or whatever. You know what? You know what always freaked me out was was. Um, was I know it's like a reuse of Merman, but like Stinkor like always tripped me out because like he was supposed to be stinky, but like he kind of smelled like licorice to me. So I was like, wait, this guy's <laughs> supposed to be stinky, right? But instead, I was just like, sniffing I like it up. licorice. I, you know, I was like, this is good. Like, <laughs> what, your your mom your mom wasn't like stop sniffing Stinkor. <laughs> she she didn't care about that. She just cared about slime on Grizzlor. Like no slime on Grizzlor. So. But, um, mine, mine was always like, don't get that stuff in the carpet, or you'll be grounded and it'll be tossed out. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, oh, you know what else? Like, that reminds me. I have, like, some fun stories about this, and now it probably doesn't matter. But it, when, when He-Man first came out, like, I mean, because, you know, because I'm ancient and old, you know, <laughs> I had the original, like, He-Man and Skeletor, you know, and they came with the little DC mini-comics and all that other stuff. Um, but for... For a show-and-tell, I think, and this was when probably I was in first grade or even kindergarten, it was a school in Milpitas called, like, the ABC School or whatever, and, and I, you know, I had a bunch of friends there, and we would always have, like, show-and-tell, and sometimes at show-and-tell you'd bring in, you know, like, toys or something, you know, so I'd be like, I got He-Man or whatever, and that's my show-and-tell, but I ended up losing it. And, like, what was funny was my mom's like, don't tell your dad that you lost He-Man. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I guess what she did was she went out and bought me a Wind Raider, but the Wind Raider came with He-Man. So it was like I never lost it, you know, or whatever. (laughs) It's like she's trying to, like, hook me up so I didn't get in trouble or whatever. So, like, that's kind of like a – I don't know. I I hadn't thought about that in years, but that's kind of a memory associated with He-Man that uh, I hadn't thought of. There were there were like those kind of I don't know what you'd call them like final series He-Man figures and I, you know of course being a easily manipulated child of the '80s where you know new toys meant they were cool I, I remember kind of being like oh man Scareglow he's awesome and I never had a Scareglow but I remember thinking oh Ninjor like he must be awesome he's a He's a ninja, you know, and I never had any of those characters. The only one I think I managed to get, because I, I was all excited because they had Horde Troopers finally, and I wasn't able to find any of those, but I think the only one I found from that new, like, that kind of last-ditch series of, of Masters of the Universe was, I think his name was Dragster, and he was, like, a Horde Trooper, but he was, like, this asinine, like, Horde guy, because, like, he had a big wheel in the center of his chest, and, like, what you did was, you know how, like, you had those old toys where you had, like, a little, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a little drag strip, you know? And so, like, you, you'd, you'd stick it through his chest through the wheel and pull it out, and then that would make the... Oh, yeah, like the friction yeah, type thing? Yeah, I don't know, of, I yeah, I don't know what the technical term for that is, but you'd, you'd, you'd pull out that kind of, you know... I guess, little mini motor or whatever it was, you know, when you pulled out the entire strip, he'd go, like, racing across the floor, because I guess he was kind of like, 
I, I guess the the best way to put it, and it probably displays how lame he was, is like he was like the Rocketeer, but like on the ground. Like so, imagine if like the Rocketeer had a big wheel in his chest. And he just like was like, I, I guess it's like if you had a soapbox car with like a rocket pack attached <laughs> to your back or something. I don't know. And you just laid flat on it, you know, and you're just like, wee or whatever. But that's what I think. I think his name was Dragster. Um, but he was a horde trooper. So I thought for some reason that he must have been cool. But he, it wasn't it wasn't drag store or yeah, it must have been something like that. Drag store. Yeah. Like, I, I don't remember the exact name, but yeah, um. What about like what about the new adventure stuff, Justin? Like, because I I'm not familiar with that toy line at all. I I never had any of those figures because I was always so disappointed that they weren't similar to the previous stuff. Because you know, like I mentioned this on another podcast, you know, I I got that new version of New Adventures He Man because that's what I had in my mind would be in store. You know, that he would it would just be you know that bulky muscular He Man, but he would have you know his new sword and outfit, and then you see him at the Walmart or wherever, and he's like he's like G.I. Joe-sized or something, and he looked, he's just, you know, it was just so different. So I never bought any of those. Like, I don't think I've ever owned any of them. Like, never never even picked up any at a flea market or anything. Um, but I remember watching the show. Like, I remember watching the show before I'd get on the bus for school and stuff. But uh, The power I, of the good and the <laughs> way of the magic. Yeah, they're... I think the animation in some episodes is pretty good, and it has like a little, you know, it has a good opening sequence. It's kind of like anime-ish, um, but as far as like story-wise, like I, yeah, I, I can't defend it too much. There's only like a few episodes that I genuinely like, like those first couple episodes. I think those are okay, and there's some other ones later on. But you know, I remember, we, I remember it coming on, and for some reason. I remember them showing the first three episodes as, like, a movie in, like, the afternoon, but mm -hmm. I only managed to tape, you know, because I was like, oh, there's a new He-Man? Well, I should watch this, but, you know, I was busy, so I was like, I'll just set up my recorder or whatever, and, you know, of course, I started recording in the middle of it, so I, for, for years, I had this VHS tape that had, like, you know maybe an episode and a half of the new adventures of He-Man. And that's all I had ever really watched of it. Cause to be honest, after I saw that, I was like, it was kind of like when I first watched beast wars, you know, and that, that, that vibe mm -hmm. you got where I yeah. was like, I was like, this, this isn't transform, you know, I was like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't He-Man, you know, and stuff like that. And then of course, like I said, years later, all those BCI DVDs came out and I just thought they were such good quality, packages for what you got you know you it, i always thought it was cool because they came with all these little postcards with like yeah, specific great. comic artists and, and all this great stuff so i was like you know what i you know i even if even if the the show itself i was never a big fan of i was like i'm gonna pick these up and i watched i watched some of the episodes like i think i i tried to single out stuff like i know there's an episode later where tila finally like yeah. meets up with him and everything but it's kind of odd because she looks more like I don't know how you, you know, how He-Man fans delineate the different versions and periods of stuff, but she looks, you know, she kind of had, like, the blonde hair, where she looked more like the, I, I don't know what you call that version of Tila, but the, but more, what, like, old-school mini-comic Tila or something? I don't know. Yeah. You know, so. When I was preparing for this, um, yeah, I, I watched the episodes from all the series, and I think, I mean, aside from the 2K series, which I really like, of the older stuff, like 
She-Ra, for me, is, like, the easiest to watch. Like, I'm kind of like you. Like, I watch the original series, Seaman, and it kind of puts me to sleep. Or it's like, I'll watch too many really lame episodes in a row, and I'm like, man, I don't watch any more of this. But, like, for some reason, I think she is easier to watch. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just think, the writing was better or it was funnier or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think when I got the BCI sets and I sat down and watched it with friends... Like, we sort of laughed our asses off. Like, I don't think we took it seriously, like mm-hmm. the Filmation He-Man. Like, we kept watching it just because we were having... It was kind of like we were just having a fun time, having a giggle fest, almost. And I think I think that's why, like, besides... I, I think when I was a kid, I took the He-Man, She-Ra movie very seriously. But then, as an adult, I had never seen the He-Man, She-Ra Christmas special. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I watched that when I was... I don't know, 25 or something, the first time. And I thought it was genius. Like, I love I love Skeletor in that. Like, I love how Skeletor is the one who learns about the Christmas spirit. Like, it's just my favorite thing ever, where he's like, oh, oh, this feeling of goodness, oh, what's come over me? You know, and I just, I think it's great, because he's, like, palling around, and there's this little, like, dog thing with him, and... and and the little kids and everything, and he's like, oh, I've got to fight Horde Prime now, you know, because of, of Christmas, you know, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know why, like, I, I think that's, like, the greatest, like, I, I uh, you know, just from an adult perspective, like, I was like, dude, everybody needs to sit down and watch that, because it's awesome. Tell me more about this, uh, this Christmas. Well, it's a wonderful time of the year. Everyone has lots of fun. You mean they get in fights? Fights are fun. I like fights. And you give each other presents. And when you open them, they explode, right? No, they're nice gifts. Nice? Doesn't sound like much fun to me. As far as, I don't know, taking some of the older filmation stuff seriously, like, I don't know, like, I I guess, you know, like I said, when I was a kid, I enjoyed it. I I got into a lot of the toys and everything. I, I don't know that it has a lot of, I don't think any nostalgia I feel um, has a great deal in terms of my enjoyment in revisiting it, let's mm. say. You know, like, like I, don't, I don't feel a great need to revisit it. Like, I tried to for this podcast. I even tried to watch some of the 2K2 uh, series. And, you know, when that was airing, I mean, especially because it aired opposite, like, for us, we're Transformers fans, and I consider that, like, it aired opposite Armada, Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fucking Armada, Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. such an awful show. And so then when, when the 2K2 He-Man came on, I went, holy shit, this is, this is so much better. Why can't, yeah. why can't Transformers be like this show, you know? And, and, um, when, when I saw, you know, I, I, I watched, I think like the, the, I rewatched those, those first three episodes or whatever. And then I kind of got tired, like. Like, like I, I was telling you, I kept falling asleep and stuff, and I don't know if it was because I was tired or just because of the, the material or I had seen it before, or like I said, I'm just not into revisiting some of it. And then, see, this is, this is I guess, this may or may not lead us into talking about comics and stuff, but the real reason why I just skipped ahead was I was trying to figure out, like, when the, f- like, because, because... Like in the in the new fifty two, I guess DC comic book, uh, one of the interesting or not so interesting things that happens is, you know, Skeletor is constantly referred to as like Uncle Skeletor by Prince Adam, 
and and I guess the insinuation in the comic is that you know Skeletor and Randor at some point were brothers. Like I don't know if they had a different mother and the same father or whatever, but at some point he was part of the royal bloodline, and I was kind of like. Well, is that just some wacky shit that Keith Giffen made up, you know? Because that's what I thought. You know, I had never heard of it before, but I'm not a really, really big He-Man fan. And so when I went looking for information on it, um, there was a mini-comic that came with the Sorceress figure. And I actually had the Sorceress figure, so I was kind of surprised. But it's such a one-off reference that, I mean, I would have never remembered it as a little kid. And in the mini-comic, I guess Randor makes some mention of a Keldor. And and it's kind of like, oh, my, my brother Keldor, who was, like, whisked away to another dimension or whatever, and we never saw him again, and and we should go find him now or something. And then the mini-comic, which is never concluded, because the, this was kind of like the tail end of the, the toy line, so there weren't more mini-comics that followed up on this, I think, but... The, the insinuation is, like, Skeletor is kind of like, they must not find out the secret of Keldor, you know? And so you never knew, really, what the secret of Keldor is. And then you fast forward to that 2K2 series, and they pretty clearly established that Keldor turns into Skeletor, which, again, I always thought was weird because I was such a big fan of Hordak. Like, I, I always, I, I could never reconcile, and, and I guess, like I said before, I was a big fan of the He-Man She-Ra movie, so I could never reconcile, like, well, how can he be Keldor if he has to, like, you know, I, I just remember, like, young, goofy Skeletor in the He-Man She-Ra movie where, you know, he didn't quite have all his clothes yet or whatever, he was running around bare-chested, like, kidnapping babies and shit, and I'm like, well, how can he do that? You know, how can he kidnap Adora if if he's this Keldor guy, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but they, they basically set that up, but, but they never outright say like they're brothers in the animated thing. So, so I guess taking what information they had from the mini comic and, and the 2K2 series, I guess the filmation toy apparently, or, or I don't know if you call it the filmation toy, but the, whatever it is, the, the Maddie Collector toy, like that bio actually spells it all out and says, oh, Keldor is this guy. Keldor is Randor's brother. You know, blah, 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 blah. So I guess Giffen's just going off that bio on the back of the toy. So, you know, if if, if I was ready to rip Keith Giffen a new asshole for making Skeletor Uncle Skeletor, like, I don't think it's his fault. I think it's whoever wrote that bio on the, uh, whoever wrote that bio on the back of the the Keldor action figure. So you've been Sorry. talking about the comics. Uh, what do you think of the current stuff? Because I know, I know you want to try and stick up for Keith Giffen, but I kind of, I kind of, I kind of can't stick up for it myself. No, I, I, I think that first, um, well, see, it's odd because I think the, the, a lot of the new 52 comics have very hit and miss track records. Like if the creative team is really awful, then it's, like, awful for six months. Mm -hmm. So, like, what I noticed was, well, they had a miniseries first, right? And that was by, well, I guess what, Robinson, James Robinson wrote, like, the first issue. And then for whatever creative reasons, differences, what have you, he left. And then after that, it was Giffen, right? 
I think it was. And then and then you had another six issue arc with Keith Giffen. And both those arcs were pretty wretched. I mean yeah. I mean story wise. You know, like like for me, like you, you asked me what did I think of it? Like I'm sitting there looking and you know, we we're talking about how we're big fans of Hordak and I I'm looking at the issue and I'm like, Yeah, okay, cool, Hordak's here and then I'm like looking at it closer and I'm like what Hordak has boobs? <laughs> like what? What the fuck is going on? You know, and then and then you know of course you read it and it's it's um what do they call her in this? The, the something oh. with a D, uh, some goofy ass name. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I mean it's it's fucking Adora. I mean yeah. it's it's Shira, right? But they call her some other you know she's Demonicus or whatever the fuck her name is, right? And um yeah, I, I mean it's just. <sighs> I don't know. I you know, I, I don't think Keith Giffen was the right guy for this kind of stuff. Like I, I don't know what it is, but it, it just I think I don't know. It, it just seems like there's a. I, I guess we've had this discussion before, where it seems like it it's, brings in a lot of heavy real world themes and ideology into something that's fantastical, and it. It doesn't always seem to. I, I think there's people who are talented enough that can get away with doing that, where it doesn't become, you know, too much about them and, and it blends well. But this feels like it doesn't blend so much as it's just a big steel hammer kind of smacking you I, in the face. I was going to say, like, I was like, when I read that, like, I, I looked at some of those comics and I was I was kind of like, oh, She-Ra's evil now. <laughs> like, that kind of smacked to me of, like, some of that, like, like Wild Storm Thundercats, like, garbage or whatever. You yeah, know? yeah, like, it's, it's that kind of edgy, like, oh, this is edgy and stuff. I mean, it's not like it doesn't have precedence. I mean, when, when you watch the He-Man She-Ra movie, like, yeah. she is... Force Captain Adora, who works for the Horde. I mean, you know, she was kidnapped and raised by, you know, Hordak and Shadow Weaver. But, I mean, they try to make it, like, really just... I I, I don't know. Too heavy. Like, it's just too heavy, like, you know, and, and then the themes are too heavy-handed. You know, you've got these occupying forces in Eternia, and it's... I don't know. It just it just smacks too much of, of, of trying to... to be witty and clever about real world opinions while you're telling this fantastical story. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't really care too much for, for Keith Giffen stuff. I was going to ask you, what, what do you think of the couple issues that, that Dan Abnett did? Like, I didn't think they, I mean, the art, I'm not too big a fan of, but the, the, the story wasn't awful. Like, I mean, what? What issues did he do? Because I kind of quit reading not long after Adora showed up. Oh, okay. So like there, like Keith Giffen did six issues. Like I said, like sometimes mm -hmm. it's like hit and miss. But then I think he started with like issue seven. So it's like so far there have only been two issues. But like the, the art's a little sketchy. Like if you like somebody like Bill Skinkevitz, like you might like the art. But I, I think it's a little kind of sloppy, I guess, is the nicest way to put it. Like, I don't mean to be mean, it's just, it's just, it seems very kind of haphazard to me, um, the artwork. But the, the story is basically, like, Randor is saying, like, look, we're overrun by the Horde, and, uh, you know, like, 
all our, you know, a lot of these masters that we think are our allies are most likely dead. And one of the biggest losses we faced was that, you know, the sorceress is dead, you know. And so he starts saying, well, we've got to go on this quest. And they're like, to do what, Father? You know, and it's like, well, come on, you know, just trust me. We're going to go on this quest. And it's like, well, isn't this kind of forbidden, like, going on this quest? It's like, yeah, it is, but but have faith, like, trust me, it's going to work out. And then they meet up with, like, Mossman, and they're kind of like, oh, sweet, you know, um, you know. We, we thought you were dead, you know, and Mossman's like, no, it's cool. I'm like the swamp thing of the masters of the universe. And he helps him out and does all this plant shit and whatever. And they're, they're basically <laughs> just talking about how, I guess, Zor is not only the bird that the sorceress turns into, but like this kind of creation, Mother Earth, Gaia force kind of thing, I guess is the best way to compare it to. And so, like, I guess because she's so all-powerful, it's like, well, one way to talk to her and meet her is to, like, you know, of course do it through Castle Grayskull. But throughout that whole Keith Giffen arc, it's like they blew up fucking Castle Grayskull or whatever. So it's like they're all, you know, well, how do we do that? And so Randor takes them on this, like, quest to, like, this, you know, path to, you know, talk to this, you know, mother goddess, basically. And, you know, that, that's kind of where it is right now. Like, they're they're basically going through all these different, you know, kind of like the uh, Dante's Inferno, but, like, for Masters of the Universe. Like, they're going to mm. go through all these planes of existence so they can have this conversation to get some help, basically. Um, but, I, I mean, as far as the previous arc, like, I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, kind of worlds better than, but I wasn't sure if you had even looked at it or not. Um, I think we've talked about this before a little bit, but I, I think it's too much of like there's there's that kind of fan base, and this could apply to anything Transformers, Ninja Turtles, whatever. But there's like a usually a fairly small fan base, but they're very vocal, and they you know they want th- this property that they liked as a kid to kind of change and evolve with them. So it's like He Man, they want it to have you know. They want it to be gritty and have that barbarian aspect from the mini comics or whatever, and they want it. They want, I guess, they want real world consequences and stuff, you know. But you know, I'm like, well, this is what you wanted. This is what you get. You get this comic, and it's it, it's pretty bad. I think it doesn't really have a lot in common with what He Man originally was. Like He Man, sure, you know. Good guys fighting the forces of evil, but they've all got goofy concepts of some of the characters. You know, like I'm looking at Cyclone right now; he's like flailing his arms. I mean, how do you take that and make that like gritty and serious? Well, yeah, it seems like in that, you know, they'd be like, "Oh, well, Cyclone's a robot, so you know, they'd probably have like Hordak like butt rape Cyclone, and then his android <laughs> parts would be like all over the place. Either that, or like Cyclone like asphyxiates like." half the Horde army or something, and it's like, oh, look at how badass he is, or whatever, and, you know, you're just kind of like, and then, and then, you know, I don't know, Adora, like, you know, comes up behind him and shoots him in the head or something, and then all the parts fly over the place or something, but you're just kind of like, you know, I don't know. E-Man has moved mountains, reversed a tornado, ran in circles fast enough to create a vacuum, the fuck? and dug to the center of the planet with nothing but a broken stalactite. The double fuck? He even shattered Photanium, the strongest metal in his universe, when even his closest friends believed it would be too much for him. And he traded blows with Superman. You know, that one guy who can lift entire planets and maybe killed your favorite person ever? That one. But, uh, we've all read the, uh, I assume we have, we've all read the DC vs. Master of the Universe. You guys want to talk about that a little bit? Because 
that should be fun. Like I kind of yeah. want, I want to ask, I want to needle Derek a little bit about <laughs> He-Man versus Superman in the eighties and now because Superman is toast. Yeah, Superman. Well, su- Superman is in in the eighties is fine because yeah, he like he doesn't actually get hurt. Like I mean, you know, but this this kind of you know what this reminds me of. Because uh, basically, uh, listeners, if you don't know and you haven't read it, uh, of course, spoilers ahead. Um, but, uh, you know, to this point, uh, only three of the six issues have come out. And the first issue is just like Skeletor is ported over to, I guess, new DC Earth or what have you. And there's some fun stuff with Constantine um, because he's a mage as well. And, you know, it, it kind of deals with more shall we say, you know, BC list level characters, um, Black Alice partners up with Skeletor. And Skeletor is kind of like, well, who are the big cheeses on this planet? Like, who do I have to kick? You know, whose ass do I have to kick to impress everybody? <laughs> and and Black Alice is basically like, oh, you got to kick these guys' asses. You see all these morts with the Jim Lee collars? Like, you got to kick their asses. And so it's like the new Justice League or whatever. And um, And so he's like, okay, like, Sure, and and so by the second and third issue, he's got this thing where you know Skeletor basically just beams up to the satellite, and of course he owns everybody but Batman. And then by the next scene, like basically everybody's mind controlled except Batman, and I guess He Man and his crew have met with Constantine and Zatanna and all the like Justice League dark folks. And so they're all in the Batcave, and Batman's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, and, and then He-Man's like, well, this idiot's going to help us? Like, how is this going to work? And all this kind of stuff goes down, and then basically the Justice League, you know, the mind-controlled Justice League with purple Skeletor eyes all show up to basically raise hell. And, you know... Superman talks a big game. He's like, oh, uh, this is great. I don't have to hold back. And he unleashes his heat vision on, you know, the the sword of power or whatever, which doesn't do very much. And then he basically flies full force at um, Adam or He-Man or whatever. And then, you know, He-Man just kind of impales him. Like, he basically Superman runs right into He-Man's sword and he's dead. And so at this point, you know, obviously by the end of the story, I'm sure Superman will be fine. But at this point in time, the world is mourning Superman because he fucking ran into He-Man's sword like an idiot. (laughs) And uh, what what I was going to say it reminds me of is it reminds me of that scene in Identity Crisis like where Wally West just runs into fucking Deathstroke's sword, and you're just kind of like, "Come on, dude! If you're the fastest guy alive, like you're gonna, you're gonna dodge out of the path of Deathstroke's sword." He's like, "Oh, he didn't dodge. I like totally planted it there for him to run into." And I'm just kind of like, you know, that's the kind of Flash that like trips on marbles and <laughs> you throw an ice cream cone and a banana peel in his path, and then he like falls over. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not into that Flash, you know, or whatever. But um. You know, that, that's kind of what that feels like. But, you know, whatever. I'm a Superman fan, so sour grapes or whatever. I, the only thing I would say is it seems like the version of Skeletor that comes to DC would be kicking all of the Masters of the Universe's ass as well. Like, he, he seems like, sort of like, made amplified, you know? Like, I, I don't know if, if anybody else had that vibe as well, but I'm like, if he's smacking around Superman and the Justice League... Then I'm kind of like, well, wow, he's got a pretty big, 
you know, I mean, I get that, like, Superman's vulnerable to magic, but it's like, come on, there's, like, you know, six other guys there, you know, like, you know, you think if, if Superman's busy getting beat up, like, you know, Flash could take his little staff and Green Lantern could, like, bubble him up and throw him into the sun, you know, like, there's other shit, you know, Wonder Woman has a magic lasso, you know, like, you'd think there'd be a bunch of shit that they could do to him. But in this case, for the purpose of the story, there's really not. You know, they all get kind of mind-zonked so that they can all face off against these Masters of the Universe characters or these kind of, I guess, new versions of them or what have you. I did think it was funny that uh, Skeletor's like, John Constantine, I thought he was a myth. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like John Constantine is like like how we think of uh, He-Man, I guess, or whatever, or... or Rumpelstiltskin or something, you know, like... But some of the dialogue does seem a little off. Like, Batman, he literally tells the Masters, or not the Masters, but the Justice League or whoever, he's like, get off my lawn. I'm like, really? (laughs) Some some of the back and forth between Tila and Heeman in that first issue is just monotonous. I'm like, this is Yeah, well, they they do that even in the regular series with different dialogue, where, where, like, Tila is, like, the most frigid, like, annoying, like, version of, like... It's like they're trying to make her this modern-day female, but she just comes off like a total bitch. Like, Mm. I mean, I don't know. Like, not... It's, like, not likable at all. Like, I mean... And and it's always got to be this pitter-patter. And, like, you know, I mean, you know, I I don't want to nitpick, like, this comic all night or anything, but it's just, like, you know, the, the thing that bugged me was, like, you know that scene with, like, Mechanek, where Mechanek's like, oh, it's cool that Tila calls me a, oh, a gimme yeah. neck or whatever because, you know, she beat up, like, all these guys who beat me up when we were little kids. But it's like, I don't really understand that. Like, it's basically taking, like, like something where, you know, if, if somebody, I don't know, like, basically, like, let, let's put it in these terms. If If Green Lantern, you know, Hal Jordan basically calls... Um, you know, Tom Kalmaku pie face, right? Well, now, you know, calling an Eskimo pie face is considered derogatory, right? Well, it's basically like Hal Jordan going, well, it's cool because all the other, like, you know, uh, white airmen on the field, like, beat the hell out of Tom. So I stuck up for him. So now it's my right to call him pie face. You know, and and that's basically what Mechanic is saying. Like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, Mechanek is just like, oh, yeah, Tila can call me whatever she wants because she stuck up for me. And I'm just kind of like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I don't even know how that makes sense in any logical world. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, there, there's just stuff like that where it comes into it where I'm like, I don't I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, Keith Giffen. Like, what, what are you talking about? You know. So. so what about the final page of issue number three of... Masters versus DC. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? People don't change. The weather changes, not people. Well, don't know that I agree with that, old buddy. People can change. I hate to tell a prince he's wrong, but Adam, you couldn't be wronger. People are what they are. The good stay good, and the evil are always evil. And I'd like to see somebody prove me wrong. I was like, what, is he partnered up with Snarfer, too? Or <laughs> So... Okay, listeners, like we're we're spoiling everything, but 
apparently Skeletor has been working for a really big bad in the background. And Black Alice is kind of like, yeah, you know, I guess you got to run this past your boss. And Skeletor's like, Rawr. I don't have any boss. I don't, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. But he apparently does have some dark, evil force that he's working for. And you're kind of like, who? Who would be the dark, evil force? And, you know, me being a DC fan and thinking this is DC versus the Masters, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe maybe the reason why Skeletor is so powerful is, like, he, he merged with, like, you know, Dr. Destiny or something. And he's, he's he, you know, maybe Superman's not really dead and it's just a dream or, you know, like, I, I, you know, all this DC lore is going through my head. I'm like, who, who, who from DC would Skeletor team up with? Like, this is going to be cool, whoever this is. And then you flip to the last page and you see this image of somebody who looks like fucking Dormammu. Like, his head is on fire. He looks like he's straight out of fucking Mephisto's realm of hell. And you're kind of like, who is this? And and he says, laugh at me, will they? And it's like, now it's time for them to face the wrath of Dark Orko. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what? It's like scrappy do merge with fucking Superboy Prime. It's like, <laughs> oh my god. I was like, you can't be serious, dude. I, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I don't... I, I, I have nothing to say to that. Like, that's just the most outrageous thing I've, I've read in the longest time. Like, that's just insane. Yeah, it, 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 it elicited more laughs than, like, you know, shock or anything. Like, yeah, it was like, totally you can't be serious. Yeah, you be tripping balls, Keith Giffen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> balls be nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, come on, dude. Like, I, I read it and I went back and I was like, wait, did I miss something here? <laughs> I was like, like nope. What? And I mean, well, honestly, like, didn't like, like, that's, like, that picture like that's Justin's avatar right now. And man, that is the textbook definition. Like, I don't know what the term is for what he's talking about, where the, the fan base like basically wants the property to grow up with them and be as dark and miserable and grumpy as they are, you know, at like 25 or 35 or 45 or, you know, whatever it is. But I swear, that's the epitome, like, right there of, of that. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, dark orco? Come on. Like, Well, I was going to say, one of the comics I flipped through, like, one of the earlier comics, it's like, they mentioned something about orco betraying them, and I was kind of like, oh, what's that about? And, like, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't imagine it would be something yes, like that. Like that, yeah. I mean, I mean, I could understand, like, if, if, if they think of Orko as, like, Jar Jar Binks, and they wanted to sully his good name, and it was like, oh, yeah, you know, Jar Jar, like, fucked shit up, and we banished him to uh, the Hoth sector to live in an igloo for the rest of his life, and you're like, oh, ha, 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 us adult Star Wars fans can all laugh, because Jar Jar probably froze to death or something, <laughs> you know, or whatever, but this is this is tantamount to, like, who is the the real... Like evil Sith Lord, it's like me, no, it's me, <laughs> you know, and you're just kind of like, come on, dude, are you serious? Like me, have some red lightsabers, you know, and you're just kind of like me, angry, you know, and you're just kind of like, what? 
Like, you can't be serious. Like, that's basically what it is. It's like, it's like tantamount to making Jar Jar Binks like a Sith Lord or something. Yeah. Coming soon to Episode 7. Yeah, I know, I know. It's coming <laughs> soon. There'll be action figures and everything. Darth Binks. <laughs> Darth Binks, rise. It's like, me ready! <laughs> <laughs> I hope none of Larry's. I hope none of Larry's hear this. Yeah, I know. Larry's ignore everything we've been saying for the last five minutes. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. I mean, I. I kind of wanted to keep some things on a on a positive uh, level because I, I. I didn't want to bitch about things all night. So <laughs> I. I just wanted to mention, like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with this series, but uh, you know, obviously the quality varied from from time to time. But one of the books or comic books that I read when I was a kid that I have some nostalgia for is uh, Marvel had an imprint for kids like way back in the 80s and it was called Star Comics you know and they had a lot of things like droids and Ewoks comics and different things like that but one of the comics they had the rights to uh, eventually was the Masters of the Universe and you know like I said being a big fan of Hordak the first issue featured the evil Horde there were all kinds of those new characters that that were part of the later lines like Scareglow and Ninjor and stuff like that that I thought were kind of neat but I would say like the highlight of of that run were the last two issues they had uh, a two-part story which I don't want to give it too much praise but I would kind of compare it to whatever happened to the man of tomorrow like it's kind of like the Alan Moore you know, last Superman story, but for He-Man, and, or kind of like the days of the future past for He-Man maybe is a better example, but it's called Lifetime. And so at, at some point in, in the beginning of the first part, you know, Adam's kind of like, well, dude, look at how many action figures Mattel has made. Like, what does Eternia need with He-Man? You know, and he kind of gets all like Spider-Man-ish, you know, where he wants to you know, throw the sort of power in a garbage can and just walk away from from being He-Man, basically. And he ends up doing this, and then he gets zapped into the future. And you basically see what happens without He-Man being there. And, you know, part of what fascinated me about the comic was when the He-Man movie came out, they made a comic adaption of that as well. But what was kind of odd was that the character designs for the comic book were a lot like the Mattel toys. So Skeletor, you know, had his blue skin and all this other stuff. And I kind of went, well, that's weird. Like, why didn't they draw it like the movie looked, you know, where, where it was like Frank Langella and he had his, his kind of long robes and all these kind of, you know, almost... Darth Vader-ish looking, you know, futuristic kind of technology and all that kind of stuff. And in the that, that two-issue Star comic, uh, you know, it was issue 12 and issue 13, they actually used some of the character designs from the movie. So that, to me, was even like, ooh, what's this? Like, why, why does Skeletor look all movie-ish and stuff? And 
you know, basically without He-Man, you know, Skeletor kind of ran rampant and basically, you know, took over Eternia. And and it's funny because you've got these two He-Mans, basically. It's like a young Adam and like this old, gruff, grizzled Adam with like a beard and everything. And, you know, he, he cannot become He-Man now because he gave it up. And, you know, Skeletor, like, got the sort of power or whatever, and so he's in charge, and, you know, basically everything's gone to crap and stuff. And, you know, it's kind of heavy, you know, it's kind of some things that Justin criticized, but I think it's done in a well-balanced way, you know, where, you know, by the end of it, you know, you, you you come back to the regular Masters of the Universe world, you know, and it's not grim and gritty forever. You know, it's kind of like a story that Mike would like, where... They, you know, kind of like those alternate dystopian futures, basically. And so it's, it's kind of fun and interesting in that regard. You know, it's only for a couple issues. It's not like it's forever, you know? Yeah, so. yeah I've, I've read that storyline. That's good. Like the, I actually like those old comics that are from the start. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just thought I'd mention that as a good note of, of positivity. And then um, did, did we want to talk about the Dolph Lundgren movie at all? No! You will no longer stand between me and my destiny! But I will. I told you it was always between us. Oh, I ache to smash you out of existence. To drive your cursed face from my memory forever! Yes! Let this be our final battle! Like, I, I, I know I had a fun time watching it when it came out in the theater. I mean, I, I like making fun of it now, but, I mean, I, I can understand why there there might be some kind of, I don't know. I, I could see how there would be different opinions from, from He-Man fans about it, one way or the other. I remember watching it as a little kid and being, I guess, disappointed because it was not like the cartoon and, like, a lot of my favorite characters were there. And, I mean... I was a kid, so I didn't understand. They didn't have the money to like do all that stuff. Um, but now I can watch it and laugh at it. Like now, I think it's a fun. I think of it as just a fun '80s movie. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I watched it a couple times recently. I'm like, this is fun. Like I, I like this. It's goofy and fun. I think. I think honestly, like as hammy as he is, I love Frank Langella in it. I mean, he he's yeah. great. Like you know. Yeah. Plus, it, it's, it, it's kind of like you know. Tom Paris falls in love with, you know, uh, Monica from Friends. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, it is. And, of course, uh, uh, Marty McFly's principal is uh, Jack Kirby, or at least, uh, you know, terrible Turpin in uh, in Masters of the Universe. It's funny, because that Masters of the Universe movie is, at the time, I, I'm trying to remember around the time period it came out, but it was probably around 1989, 1990, when John Byrne wrote this article in the back of Next Men. It was in his letters pages, and they asked him, like, what his favorite comic book movies were. And so he listed his top three. And as opposed to Alex Ross, who picked, like, RoboCop as his number one, because Alex Ross is a turd face, (laughs) (laughs) he couldn't even pick a real comic book movie. Uh, John Byrne was like, okay, well, you know, the original Superman movie, and, you know, he goes into all the reasons why. I don't even think I need to explain to anybody why that's a good comic book movie, even though there are people out there who don't think it is, but he he goes into all the reasons, you know, why that's a great movie, and that was, like, his number one. His number two was The Rocketeer, Um, and, you know, I guess, you know, he thought it was a good, like, World War II period piece, and, you know, he kind of goes into all the reasons why he really thinks the movie captured you know, the 
sort of intent and flair of Dave Stevens' Rocketeer. And then for the third one, he does do the Alex Ross thing, but at least it's number three. He goes, Masters of the Universe. And then he says, no, no, wait, wait, hear me out. And he knows it's a douchey Alex Ross number one pick, right? And he says, listen, this is why I think Masters of the Universe is my favorite comic book movie. He's cause, he says, I love the new gods. And he says, basically what that Masters of the Universe movie is, is a live-action New Gods movie. Because you've got, like, you know, Gweldor and the Cosmic Key. And basically to him, that's like the boom tube, you know. And, and basically coming to Earth and, you know, the, the Lubbock character with the shotgun, he's like, that's basically Dan Turpin. And, you know, He-Man's kind of like Orion. And Skeletor's kind of like Darkseid. And you got Evil Lynn and... You know, all this other kind of stuff, you know, kind of like Desaad and all these, you know, whatever comparisons he's trying to make. But that's basically how he saw that film. And when I read that, I went, I kind of saw that movie in a totally different light after that, because I'm a big fan of the new God. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can I can kind of see that. Like, that's pretty cool. So I, I don't have a lot to say about that movie. I mean, I saw it probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And I was it, at that point. I was kind of like, oh yeah, like like I, I wasn't too familiar with He Man, but I was like, oh yeah, I didn't know they made like a live action movie of this. And like you know, I watched it over a friend's house, and we kind of like yucked it up about how like you know cheesy some of it was. But you know, I, I don't have anything against it really. Cool. Was there anything else uh, that you might want to cover, Justin, before we move on to awesome thing of the week, or do you think we're good with with He Man for tonight? I think we're good. I think we satisfied the power of the good and the way of the magic. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, I guess uh, we will go into our regularly scheduled segment of what is awesome in your world this week. Um, this is not my awesome thing, but before I forget, I since we are doing a He-Man show, I just wanted to point out that one of my good buddies, uh, Joey, when I was on a, a trip and I met up with him, he let me play a He-Man game on his iPad, and I thought that was actually quite fun. So if you're into He-Man and you have an iPad, check out that He-Man video game. It's really simple and cute, but it's fun. So, What about you, Mike? What is your awesome thing in your world this week? Um, I saw uh, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog like last week and uh I thought it was really good. I mean, I liked those movies. Uh it was a good sequel. It kind of felt, I guess, like the the peanut butter in between the two like, you know, other movies basically, but you know, it, it was still very entertaining and you know, I like Tolkien stuff and Peter Jackson is obviously very enthusiastic about it and you know, it shows on screen and it was just a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. How about you, Justin? What's your awesome thing? This week, um, I've got several things. Uh, first of all, our fellow fan hold Derek was kind enough to send me a nice little Christmas package, and uh, inside of it was a Common Rider Ryuki Figma figure, uh, Marvel Legends Valkyrie, uh, and tying in with our show, actually, it was a little Tila, like one of those little games where you have to like you know turn it to the side to get the little ball into the hole and a Ghostbuster sticker book, so I thought that was really great, and I was joking with the guys before, I was like, I've been in Red Lantern mode all month, because I'm a bit of a Grinch, and I don't like Christmas, but I was like, my heart grew a little bit when I got that package, so <laughs> thanks, thanks, Derek. 
His heart grew three sizes that day. No, that's cool. I'm glad you uh, like that stuff. I thought you would, so I figured I'd send it to you. Um, let's see. Oh, oh, me. I have to do an awesome thing. I've been watching more Doctor Who uh, because I have been checking them out on Amazon Prime. I recently watched the episode titled The Mind Robbers. That's a second Doctor Patrick Troughton episode. And I've recently discovered the awesome joy that is his companion, Zoe's ass. Wow. <laughs> if you've never seen this episode, um, it's kind of a trippy, like, head trippy episode or whatever, at least this first part. It's kind of interesting. Like, it kind of reminds me, you, Justin, you know that, that two-parter with um, um, Hartnell, the the Edge of Destruction, like, how they're all, like, flipping out on the TARDIS and trying to murder each other or whatever, and you kind of don't know what's going on. Like, I kind of thought that first part of the Mind Robbers was a little like that, where, like, it's kind of head-trippy, and you're like, what the hell's going on in the TARDIS, and everything's weird and stuff. But basically, by the end of the episode, um, you know, I I guess they try to sell it as like, you know, oh, you're going to be safe as long as you're in the TARDIS. But, like, I guess they're in this weird, you know, dimension or whatever, and basically all four sides of the TARDIS just shatter, and, you know, the two companions are just hanging for their lives on basically the, the controls of the TARDIS, and it's sort of spinning around in a circular motion. And, of course, this young lady, uh, you know, that's his companion, Zoe, like, she's kind of dressed in, the, like, this skin-tight, like, Cat shiny cat suit yeah. that's basically, you know, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of something that, that Yvonne Craig or Julie Newmar would be wearing <laughs> on the 60s Batman show. So, you know, you can see all their curves and everything, and I was just kind of like, damn, look at that ass! Like, it was great! <laughs> so, I was like, I was like, wow, and it's all, like, rotating and everything for your pleasure. I was just like, I don't know, I know you're supposed to be thinking, like, oh my god, like, it's the end of the world, like, we're all gonna die, but in the meantime, I'm just kind of like, man, that's a nice ass! Like, <laughs> I, so, anyway, that was my, that was my awesome thing. So, um, I, we, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode on uh, fan holes, on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. If you are a more in-depth He-Man fan, and you have some comments, some criticisms, some questions, if you like the new DC um, He-Man comic, or Masters of the Universe comic, and you think it's cool, you know, if, you, if you've got some opposing opinions to the fan holes, write in, tell us why, like, we'd like to know, um, you know, we'd like to know why you want the property to be kind of like Conan, where people's heads are getting chopped off, and all this other stuff, um, so yeah, and um, we are uh, also, we're on Twitter, uh, we're on Facebook, we're, we're now on Stitcher Radio, so that's really cool for us. Uh, you know, of course, we're on iTunes. If you leave us iTunes reviews, that'd be great. They're always appreciated. And uh, until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike the Newing. And I'm Lucky. Hey, did you find me this episode? Here I am. That's me. I'm over here Hi. behind his sleeve. I have the power!
I'm Adam. <laughs> Prince of Eternia. I'm Adam of Grayskull. I freaking love the twisted Mego Theater when Spider-Man goes to Eternia. And, like, Skeletor is like, I shall call you Spider-Man. With, like, a hyphen <laughs> between. <laughs> and then he's, like, he's showing Spider-Man around, like, like his castle. And he's like, these are the pictures of my two greatest enemies, like Prince Adam and He-Man. And, like, they're the exact same picture. And Spider-Man's like, I take it you don't, like, know that whole, like, Superman-Clark Kent thing. Like, they're the same dude. And the Skeletor's like, I'll be damned. <laughs> I'll be damned. 